There's so many people like Don here, his story, that people are dealing with real problems in a real world. They don't see hope. They don't see how God can work through their situation. They see a dark world. And this is part of a series that is highlighted in the Bible app under events, if you want to check it out, called Thriving in Babylon. And if you'd like to check out that series, I think it's a great follow-up to this message, and it'll help you to think about how do we impact, and that's kind of where we're leading to, is how do I make a difference in a dark world when it seems so dark, when it seems like, where's the hope at? We can look at this, and and the study goes into Daniel, and we're going to be looking at Daniel. So if you want to go ahead and turn your Bibles and look at Daniel chapter 1, that's where we're going to talk about and look at. But I I think we should all be praying for each other because we want to be this light in this darkness. We want to represent Christ well and that he can be seen through our lives no matter what situation we go through. That people can take notice of the God that we serve. And even if the world is dark, even in the environment that you may work in, it seems hopeless and dark and difficult to minister and be that light. I think we find real encouragement when we look at Daniel and see how he was impacted, what he went through, and how he still demonstrated this light that he had for God, this love that he had for God, this obedience that he had for God, that he was able to do things in a difficult situation. And a thing that that he did not ask for was put on him to be this light to a kingdom that was so far away from God. So far away from God. And so let's look at the first part here. And we're going to continue to talk about Babylon. But Babylon was not a good place. It was not somewhere you would want to go. Uh, The Bible talks about Babylon's fall as, as being a good thing. Because of the wickedness and the evil things that this nation had done. But yet in spite of that, God was in charge of this whole entire thing because we see in the book of Daniel that it's God who's, who's kind of making things happen and allowing things to happen, and we're going to dive into that. So let's look at Daniel chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. It says, In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judea, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord delivered Jerichoam, king of Judea into his hands, along with some of the articles from the temple of God. These he carried off to the temple of his God in Babylonian and put them into the treasury, the house of his God. And and we're going to go down to verse 4, but it says here, it says in verse 4, young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. He was to teach them the language and the literature of the Babylonians. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and and wine from the king's table. They were to be trained for three years, and after that, they were to enter the king's service. So there's a lot of things that are happening here, but I want to kind of, let's look at the impact of what's happening to Daniel and some of his friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, as you may know of them and hear about them, and other people that were with them. Let's think about some of the things that they've been through, but before we get there, let's look at verse 6. It says this, 
Among them who were chosen were some from Judea, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. The chief official gave them the, name, the new names to Daniel, the name Belteshazzar, to Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. And so let's just think about all the things that they went through. They were in Judea where everything was fine and everything was good. They were taken from their homeland, taken to Babylon to serve a king. They were noble people that may have been princes, may have been some relatives of the king at one point, were taken from their home and taken to this new land, this foreign land that served foreign gods, a whole totally different culture. And they went from nobility to servanthood to the king. Let's think about some of the things that they were going through. They saw, they were witnessing God's temple defiled and plundered. Everything that was taken that was good was taken out of the temple and the, the palace and taken to the kingdom of Babylon. And this is a direct result of a thing that happened between King Hezariah when he received some gifts from having been sick, he invited people from Babylon to come in and look at everything in his palace. And Isaiah heard about this and said, King, you've done something terrible. You made a terrible decision here, letting them come in because they're going to come and ravage everything. So the prophecy of what Isaiah said came true. And so they came in and took everything. And he also said, they're also going to take your, your sons, in other words, your lineage or your descendants, and they're going to take them and make them eunuchs and take them off to the foreign land to serve the king. And so all that's laid out in Second Kings, if you want to check it out. It's very interesting to see that because here we know that Isaiah is a very pathetic prophet, not just because of Isaiah 53, but we also see this, that Isaiah is speaking prophecy to the king, and it comes true. And you know what? This is, I, I touched this a few months ago about this message because it really bothered me that Hezekiah, he, he didn't care. He's like, oh, well, that's good. It's not going to happen in my time. Oh, that, that's all right. It's, I, I'm still good. <laughs> Instead of being concerned for his descendants. That bothers me because we should be concerned about the future. We should be concerned about the next generation that comes up after us and want to make sure that they have success. But he let them see everything in his palace and then years later, they decide to come, the Babylonians to come and take it because they knew what was there and took everything. So they saw God's temple defiled. They saw their city destroyed. They lost all their family. They, their family, we don't know if they were killed, but they were separated from their family and friends. They had name changes. Daniel's name actually means God judges me, my judge. That God is the one that's in charge of his life. And it's changed to this Belazar, Belteshazzar, which means the God of Baal, that, that God rules him. Maybe they did that to make fun of his name or something, but his name was changed. Culture shock. I mean, think about it. Going from a, a Jewish customary thing where you see your customs and how you're used to things and your culture, taking out of that environment and putting it in a totally foreign environment. How difficult that must have been to go through that. Some of the other things I mentioned, nobility to servitude. He was a noble, and now he's being taken and put into service to another king 
to serve him. The Hebrew nation destroyed, the whole nation just crumbling around him, not just the city, but everything around him. It's not like Judea was before this besieged, the siege of what happened here with King Nebuchadnezzar. Pagan gods studying a foreign culture. Isn't this interesting? He's being forced, him and the young men are being forced to study a culture that they have no desire really to want to be a part We don't know this for sure, but if we go back to Hezariah, we go back to 2 Kings, and we hear about Isaiah, what he says. We don't know this for exactly sure, but it's probably strong possibility they were eunuchs. So they would never have children. So all these things are going on in their life. And so I just want to share this because we should look to Daniel in times where we find ourselves in situations where we're like, how can I shine? How can I be this light in this dark world? And, and everything has changed. And, and this is the thing that we get concerned about as a culture, right? Because our culture is changing. And I know it. I, I, I grew up in the 80s and, and, and I, I see the things that have changed since my time. And now I'm getting in my 50s and I'm that X generation X. So I understand how the baby boomers feel because I I see everything changing, and, and, and millennials sometimes kind of get used to the change, so they don't really see it as the way I do. But we are in that culture shock. We're, we're concerned. We're, we're, we're like, what is going on? What's happening? Everything that I used to love is now different. We need to understand that there's people in the Bible who face the same thing over and over and over again. We should not lose hope. It is not a time to be fear, afraid or be scared or a time to give up. It's a time to shine. It's a time to represent. And I think about all these different impacts that that Daniel had. And there was one thing that he decided in his heart, I'm not going to do this thing. But he was not opposed to all these things. In other words, he understood that he had to pick his battle. So let's go on to the next scripture here. And then, well, the first thing I want to share is my point, which kind of I kind of blew past. Things can change, but God is still sovereign. Things around us can change. The environment can change. The culture can change. Everything around us can change. But we know from our Real God series, and this is something we should always make sure we keep in our minds, that no matter what I see around me, no matter what I go through in my own life, that my God is the same God. He is able to do whatever he wants. And it's amazing that we find that in this story of Daniel, that we see that God is still God, that God is still in charge. No matter how dark it may get around you, no matter how difficult it may be, God is still sovereign. He's still in charge. He has not left his throne. He's not looked the other way. He knows what the affairs of what's going on in our life. He knows what's happening to us. And he has a plan and he has a purpose for it. Daniel 1, 8, it says this, Daniel resolved to not defile himself with the royal food and the wine and asked the chief, chief official for permission not to defile himself in this way. In verse 17, it says, To these four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning, and Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. So there are some things that we need to be aware of in this story, and I'm not sharing every single scripture, but I want to encourage you to dive into that uh, Thriving in Babylon study that we talk about. It's from Right Now Media. It's also in the Bible app as far as a devotional that you can look at for seven days. But I would encourage you to check that out because it's really good, and I think it will really get a lot out of it. 
But here's the thing that I wanted, that God wanted me to share with you today. Is that even though all these things that I listed out that have happened to Daniel, Daniel did not decide to fall on the sword and kill himself at any point. Except he drew a line in the sand at this point where he said, I'm not going to defile myself. You may change my name. You may do things differently in this culture. You may do things differently in the way you operate as a culture or how you tell me to do things. But I'm not going to do things that will defile me. And he decided to stand his ground on this issue. And I think it's very important for us to realize that we need to pick our battles. That there's some things that we need to fight for and there's some things we need to compromise on. And I'm not saying that we should just give up. I'm just saying that we have to deal with the culture that we're in and make sure that we're not going to do things. And that goes to my next point, to not defile ourselves. In other words, just because the culture does it doesn't mean we should do it. Just because the uh, king was eating these certain foods, it didn't mean Daniel had the right or should do those things. Because he knew this God had given him a conviction. And this is what we see in the book of Galatians that spelled out for us, is that we all have convictions. And for us to not live out our conviction is wrong. In other words, if I have a thing that I know I shouldn't do and it's dishonoring to God, I should not do that thing. And that's what the whole book of Galatians is about. It's about dealing with your convictions. If there's something I'm convicted for, then I need to follow that conviction. If God said, don't do this, then I need to say, I can't do that. I'm defiling myself by doing that thing that God told me not to do. I should live out the convictions. Each one of us should live out the convictions that we have. And we have to be honest between us and God of what those are. But if we're breaking those convictions that we have, we're dishonoring God. We're defiling ourselves. The other thing is, is that I find it interesting, and this is the hard part for all of us. I'm not just saying for for you. It's an issue for all of us. When we are being ruled by evil people, people that we see as being foreigners or, or people that don't know our faith or people don't understand our relationship with Christ, It's hard for us to humiliate ourselves and seek and ask permission and time for something. And that, if you read the whole story here, I didn't go into all the depths of this, but what happens is, is that Daniel requests, he says, can we just have some of our own kind of food, the vegetables and fruits, and let us eat off those? And for 10 days, for 10 days, look at our appearance versus everybody else's appearance and see what what you see. He's asking for permission to do something that he knows he has to do or should do. He's asking an evil empire if he can do the thing that he knows that he needs to do. He's seeking permission. And sometimes that's hard for us. Sometimes we can be prideful and say, no, I'm going to do this no matter what. This 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 is what I'm doing. But he's asking for a chance. He's asking for an opportunity. And he found favor. Why? Because God was with him. He found favor in the chief of his officials there, the chief official, because God was with him. It wasn't about him. It was about him wanting to serve his God. It was about Daniel wanting to serve the living God. So be thinking about these. If you don't take anything from this message other than these things, let's just go over them one more time. Pick your battles. Make sure your battles aren't things that your pride is getting in the way and you're offended more than God's offended by it. 
Make sure you pick the battles that are important to fight. You know, like this whole mass thing we've been talking about, I don't like it any one bit either. And I don't like, I wish we could just put all the chairs back like we really want to, right? But it isn't a battle we're willing to fight. Is there more important battles about letting our light shine in the darkness than wearing a mask? And that's where we have to come to as leaders. Not just me as, as me here or Pastor Mark or, or the leadership we have here, but we, each one of us have to ask individually ourselves, what do I need to stand for and what do I need to let go of? Because I want to be a light. I want to be a witness. I want to change hearts and lives for God. Do not defile yourself. Don't do things that you know you're going to break that you're gonna dishonor God because you know there's something inside you that God said, don't do these things. You're dishonoring by doing them. If that's a conviction you have, don't do those things. Because when you do them, you honor Christ. When you, when you honor that conviction, when you say, I'm not gonna put myself in that situation, you honor God. Seek permission and time, even from people that are evil, even from people that you may not be able to respect very well. Even when people that you know are not following God, like Nebuchadnezzar, he was not following God at the time. He served all these other gods, but God was gonna use Daniel to witness to King Nebuchadnezzar and to the nation of Babylon. Let's look at chapter two. We're gonna move over to chapter two, Daniel chapter two, verse five and six. It says, the king replied to the astrologers, this is what I have firmly decided. If I do not tell me what my dream was and interpret it, I will have you cut into pieces and your house turned into the piles of rubble. But if you tell me the dream and explain it, you will receive it from me, gifts and rewards and great honor. So tell me the dream and interpret it for me. Then the king answered, we're skipping down to verse eight. Then the king answered, I am certain that you are trying to gain time because you realize that this was what I have firmly decided. If you do not tell me the dream, there is only one penalty for you. You have conspired to tell me misleading and wicked things, hoping the situation will change. So then tell me the dream and I will know that you can interpret it for me. One of the things that I find interesting and I think about as we kind of feel and get a sense that there's a lot of people that listen to a lot of lies. There's a lot of things that are untrue that people start believing in, right? A lot of times, like for me growing up, it was things that I wanted to hear. It's like when your mom tells you you're great at everything, you want to start believing that. And you start thinking, oh, I must be great at everything. My mom thinks I'm great at everything. I'm great, you know? We can start feeling that way. Like we think we're, you know, we want, when we get people around us to tell us what we want to hear, we can feel really good about ourselves. But really, when it comes down to it, we can only handle so much lies. Think about this. The king of Babylon is saying, wait a second. I know you're a bunch of hypocrites out here. I know you're gonna tell me what I wanna hear. I know that you're not really honest. Think about that, that even the evil people out there that just wanna hear all the lies and they wanna hear about everything that on their side is so good and so great. And they're just the, the loving and caringest most people they could ever find and, and they're fantastic. Even they wanna find truth at some time. 
Even they want to hear truth. And even in a dark, dark world, people will get tired of hearing lies and hearing things that are misleading and hearing things that don't have value. And one of the reasons why that when King Nebuchadnezzar looked at you know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and looked at Daniel uh, and they, he saw them, he was like, these guys are 10 times better than anybody else. See, I don't think that was an accident. I think that was because he saw honesty and truth in them. He saw something of value in them. He wasn't just being pandered to and just told things to. He was seeing reality in them. He was seeing truth in them. And so he goes on and says to these people, he said, you know, he talks about this conspiring and meddling and wicked. Those things can only take you so far. Those things will only take you so far. So in a dark world, there's only going to be a cap. You can only get to a certain place with lies and misleading because the truth eventually will come out. The truth will actually eventually be seen. Whether it's this generation or the next, truth will come. Truth will conquer. And so in this situation, we see this played out. We see this played out. That Nebuchadnezzar is done with the lies. He doesn't want to hear a bunch of jibber-jabber. He doesn't want to be just spoken to and like, oh, king, you know, you're so great, you're so wonderful, and this is what your dream is, and, and, and these are all the things we can do for you. He wants truth. He wants honesty. He wants realness. In this dark world that we, we sometimes find ourselves in, eventually people will want truth because it, the truth is what as, the, as Jesus says, the truth will set you free. There's only so much misleading, so much gossip, so much stuff that you can take. And eventually it wears on the people and they get sick of it. They get sick of it. Because it's, and they know it's not right. And they've been hiding it all this time. And they're tired of it. They're tired of it. And they want truth. So think about that and remember that. People will want truth when required. When required, they'll want truth. When, it, when it's the most important thing in their life, when they, they really want an answer, they'll seek truth. They won't seek lies. When it really is, is a powerful, maybe a moment in time like Nebuchadnezzar where he has this dream and he's, he's like just shocked and just didn't understand. And think about this. God gave him this dream and he doesn't know how to interpret it. He doesn't have a relationship with this God. He doesn't know this God. And he's like, I don't understand why I have this dream and I need to know, I need to understand and nobody can help me with this. Because all I'm surrounded with is a bunch of liars and I want truth. People will want truth when it's really required, when they have to, when they have no choice. They'll want the truth. There's so many people out there that are fine right now. They think they're fine. They think they're fantastic. They think their life are great. They don't need God. But when it comes down to when it's required of them, they'll want that truth. They'll want to know. Hopefully it's not too late. Hopefully it's not too late that they didn't hear or know about the truth or come to the knowledge of the truth. Daniel verse, chapter 2, verse 10, it says this, The astrologers answered the king, 
God is, just, God is just so amazing because do you understand as we read this that God is using this whole situation as a setup? If, if it's not appropriate to talk, I think about this, I think about a comedian who explains about jokes, you know, like a comedian. He talks about the fact that you have to set up the joke. You know, you have to, you have to, you have to put time into that before you give the punchline. And the fact is, is that God is in the setup mode. He's setting this up to just speak volumes of who he is. Because in these people that are liars, in these people that are, are just misleading and telling the king really what he wants to hear and, and trying to appease him and trying to make sure that he feels good about himself, here's what they say. This is the response they have to him. And I think it's a very important thing for us to keep in mind as we are living in a dark world. The astrologers answered the king, there is no one on earth who can do what the king asked. No king has ever, however great, however mighty, has ever asked such a thing of any magician or enchanter or astrologer. What the king is asking to do is too difficult. No one can reveal, listen to this, no one can reveal it to the king except the gods. And they do not live among humans. Isn't that, isn't that amazing? This is coming from them. They recognize there has to be a higher power to reveal this because there's no way any of us human beings can tell you this. God is getting ready to set something great up because he's telling all, all the people who are coming in honesty here and saying, we can't do this for you, king. There's no way we can know your dream and reveal it to you and tell you what, what it's about. There's no way we can do that. We need you to share the dream and then we'll tell you what we think about it. But there's no way God could, you know, only God can know what he put inside of you and what he gave you. And so it's beyond human beings. Sometimes there's things in our lives that's beyond us that we cannot do ourselves. And I think about this, there, there's situations that we may find ourselves in as Christians that are really difficult, like in difficult situations. And yeah, like Daniel, maybe, maybe he could have died. Maybe he could have gave his life and said, I'm not serving the king. I'm, there's no way I'm going to serve the king. I'm not going to serve that king. I'm going to die before I serve that king. But he didn't do that. Now that's, that's because God had a plan. I mean, there's probably hundreds of other people or thousands of other people that gave their lives to save the kingdom of Judah. And to try to save that remnant that was left. But when it was besieged, it was besieged and it was taken over. There may be times where you find yourself in these situations. And I, I, to be honest with you, I think, I think all of us really have found ourselves in those situations, right? It's like, it's beyond me. I, I, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to fix this. I don't know how to represent Christ in this situation. I don't, know, I don't know how to make an impact here. How do I make an impact in this situation? And it's beyond me. It's beyond you. You don't know how to handle it either. That's because sometimes it's God's thing that he needs to take care of. It's sometimes it's, it's God the one, or, or more often than not, I should say, it's God the one is the one that needs to intervene. Because sometimes we rely on ourselves too much. And what we need is God. One of the biggest things that we see through the book of Daniel is his prayer life. We see that countless times that he was praying, that he was praying and asking and seeking God and asking God for his guidance, for his direction in life.
And it says in Daniel chapter 2, verse 14, it says, When Arioch, the commander of the king's guard, had gone out to put to death the wise men of Babylon, Daniel spoke to him with wisdom and tact. And I think this is very interesting, too, that God allowed Daniel to have this wisdom. And it reminds me, again, of the story of Joseph and how God had blessed Joseph with wisdom and knowledge and, and how to deal with those situations he dealt with. And no matter how dark it seemed for him and him serving a foreign, foreign gods all around him and serving a foreign nation, that God still used Daniel in powerful ways to save a remnant of the Hebrew people in, in Egypt. And here we see Daniel being used by God. And we know that he's not going to have any descendants to speak of. But he's going to be used by God in powerful ways to leave a legacy for all the Jewish people and for us Christians as we are grafted into the family of God. And he says, um, in verse 15, he asked the king's officers, why did the king issue such a harsh decree? Arioch the, then explained the matter to Daniel. At this, Daniel went into the king and asked for time. Again, it goes back to that, that permission. God, you know, he's asking the king, hey, can I have some time? Is it all right if I take some time to, to help you interpret this so that he might interpret the dream for him? And it's interesting because Daniel goes and tries to seek this and find it, and yet he doesn't know for sure that he's going to have the answer because we find in verse 17 this. It says, then Daniel returned home and explained the matter to his friends. So Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, and he urged them to plead for mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery so that he and his friends might not be executed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Sometimes we find in our situation, you know, none of us like going through difficult things. I don't like it. I don't like going through difficulty. I don't like, you ever, get, you ever go through a job interview? Oh, man, that's so awkward, isn't it? It's like, man, I don't want to go through a job interview. I answer all these questions. What are they going to ask me? What are they going to require me? Uh, you know, am I going to answer that question right? You know, how, how do I look? How do I, how do I feel about myself? You know, all these questions, and it really makes us feel awkward, right? We don't like that. We don't like that feeling, you know? But those are times that can often make us stronger as a person. It's going through that awkwardness at times that make us rely more on God. And so it really wasn't fair that any of this happened to Daniel, right? Him and his friends, this, this, this wasn't fair to them. This is something I worry about my kids. Like, I don't want them growing in a, in a world that, that's not like the way I grew up in. I, well, I, I'm concerned for them. And what, what are my grandkids? What were they going to experience? What are they going to have? And this is why it's important for us to exercise our right to vote and, and elect officials and, and do what we can. But at the end of the day, I can't, I'm one person that can only impact so many. The rest I have to trust with God. But the thing I do have to do is, is while they're here with me, I need to raise up that generation. I need to encourage that generation. And so whoever impacted Daniel and his friends did a good job of impacting. And I'm sure it was a lot of God working in Daniel's life too, of course. But this is the thing that happens to us sometimes. We're put in situations that we don't like, that we wish never happened to us, and we're like, God, why, why are you doing this to me? Why am I suffering? Why am I put in this situation? 
And we can all ask that question. I'm sure every one of us have come to that point in our lives. Why? I don't like this. This doesn't feel good. Zach Yearwood, who comes to the church, shared with me a a little quote uh, he put together that, that sticks with me. And I think it's a very important quote. And I think it's something we as a church should be asking ourselves, and, and me as an individual, I should ask. And, and think about this, and, and none of us want this though, right? Each day, pray not for less problems, but rather for higher quality problems, higher quality problems. For in doing so, you allow yourself the opportunity to grow and learn. See, it's in those times where we are facing the giant problems or the bigger problems, the higher quality problems, that God can begin to help us grow. I can't help but go back and think about this moth story that I used to talk about and share in youth ministry and in other times where the moth was stuck in a cocoon and the a boy that owned it wanted to help it out, so he opened it up and, and it helped the, the moth get out. But unfortunately, the fluid that was in the wing of the moth was stuck there. All that pressure in the cocoon that he was going through, that, that trial, that tribulation of that cocoon was to help him force the fluids out of his wings and into the body of the moth. And so many times we want to be you know, catered to. We, be, we are so blessed here in America, and we're so, so wonderfully blessed. But God has given us so many good things. And I've been blessed to have the opportunity to speak without persecution the name of Jesus Christ. And you know what? No matter what I face in the future, if I ever am taken to prison, I hope I have the strength to willingly go to prison for the name of Jesus Christ. No matter what, it's about Jesus, it's about God. And so what problems I may have, what problems you may face, what if God wants us to help solve those problems that we can really make an impact? that we can really make a difference in this life. Let us not just be satisfied with our convenience and and the things that God's blessed us with, but let's seek God and say, God, how can I really demonstrate who you are? You can't really demonstrate if you want an easy life. If you want an easy life, maybe being a follower of Christ is not what you should be looking for. Being a follower of Jesus is about sacrifice. It's about obedience. It's about carrying your cross. I'm looking at the time. We're going a little, maybe going a little long just to prepare you, but if I don't finish today, I'll finish my devotion. So I'll try to be mindful, but I, I'd really feel like God has given me this to share, not just for you, but for me too. Oftentimes, as ministers, God gives us a message, and it's, it's for us. And God is speaking directly to us, and we're just sharing what God has put on our hearts. Daniel chapter 2, verse 19, part B of 21. Then Daniel praised the God of heaven and said, Praise be the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and power are his. He changes times, seasons. He disposes kings and raises up others. His wisdom is the, to the wise. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what lies in the darkness, and the light dwells in with him. 
I thank you and praise you, God of my ancestors. You have given me wisdom and power. You have made me known to made known to me what we have asked you what we have asked of you. You have been made known to us the dream of the king. Just think about this. God's in charge of changing times and seasons. God raises and disposes of kings. God knows what lies in the darkness. See, God's not fooled by anything that mankind wants to do. Whether it's Hitler, whether it's Nebuchadnezzar, God is not in the dark at all. He knows that there are evil people. He knows that like Cain and Abel, he knows the darkness that lies there. He also knew when he created Adam and Eve what, could, what sin could do to mankind. He knew the danger of it. And he warned them of it. Verse 36 in chapter 2. This was the dream and now we will interpret it for the king. Your majesty... You are the king of kings. The God of heaven has given you dominion and power and might and glory in the hands. He has placed all mankind and the beasts of the fields and the birds in the sky. Wherever they live, he has made you ruler over all of them. You are the head of gold in this dream. So think about this. The one statement I want to share is Daniel is interpreting the stream of this statue, and he's saying, Nebuchadnezzar, you're the head. You're the, you're the focal point here. There are going to be kingdoms that come after you, that are going to come after you. But I want you to know, king, it's God. It's God. The God of heaven gives dominion, power, might, and glory. I just read this and I thought about our culture and I thought about how we, we worship singers, we worship athletes. God is the one that gives all that. God allows all that to exist. God allows that to happen, whether it's right or wrong. He's like, if you want fame and you want to give yourself away to that, go right ahead. I'm not going to stop you. If that's all you want out of life, go right ahead. It's God's dominion. It's God's power, it's God's might, it's God's glory. And he bestows it on people that he chooses to, just like Pharaoh, just like Nebuchadnezzar, just like whoever comes in power. God's the one in charge. It doesn't mean we don't stop and do the things we're required to as citizens of our country. It doesn't mean we we just give up. But I think we need to pray a lot more. And we need to seek God a lot more because it's really God's authority. It's God's dominion. I think that's so powerful that he makes sure that Nebuchadnezzar knows what's really going on. Verse 44, in the time of those kings, the God of heaven will set up, and this is so awesome. Do you realize this is, this is just tremendous? We know that Daniel later on, if you want to read more chapters, it gets a little confusing, but there's a lot of prophecy that Daniel has given for the future. But here is another one that God is giving Daniel. He gave it to Nebuchadnezzar first, and then he gives it to Daniel because it's really meant for all people. It's meant for all of us. 
that this rock comes down, and it's not made by my man. This rock comes down and crashes that statue. It crushes all the other kingdoms. It destroys everything else that was there. And it's a kingdom that will last forever and ever. And this kingdom that is being told of is about Jesus Christ building a kingdom that's eternal, that's forever, that's not made by man, it's made by God. And it'll never be destroyed. It's just awesome. I don't know how else to say, but it's just cool. It's just really neat. It says in verse, uh, verse 44, I'm going to say, it will crush all the kingdoms and bring them to an end, but it itself will endure forever. This is the meaning of the vision of the rock cut out of the mountain, but not by human hands, a rock that broke the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold into pieces. Verse 46, the great God has shown the king what will take place in the future. This is prophecy. The dream is true, and its interpretation is trustworthy. Then listen to what Nebuchadnezzar does. He's not a full believer yet. He's not a fully convert. We see this in later chapters, and we continue to read the story, right? That we see about the, you know, the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and we see a, a chapter that actually never Nebuchadnezzar writes, confessing that God is God. But he's not quite there yet, but this is, this is the first step. Says then Nebuchadnezzar fell prostrate before Daniel and paid him honor and order because he found truth. He heard truth for the first time in a long time. He heard the truth. And he ordered that an offering and incense be presented, which is not quite what he should do. It should be to God. And it says, The king said to Daniel, Surely your God is the God of gods. And the Lord of kings and the revealer of mysteries, for you were able to reveal this mystery. And this is what I want to close with. Is surely your God is the God of gods. We serve the God of gods. There's no fakeness. There's no false. There's nothing false in God. As we get ready to take communion here, do we know that? Do we understand that? That we serve the God of gods. We serve a kingdom in Jesus that is forever. It's going to be that rock that crushes all these kingdoms. All these men in their power and their schemes and the way they want to do things in not just this country and all these other countries that want to oppress Christians. And I'll tell you another thing, if you want to check out, which I just watched yesterday with my son, it's a little graphic for kids, but it was just so good. It's called Free Burma Rangers. And if you're not on Right Now Media, it's a movie, it's, it's a, well, it's a documentary, but it's, it's, just, it's just awesome. And, and, and Isaiah was like, you're crying so much. But it was just seeing real people who love God going out in world-torn countries and trying to help citizens of that country be rescued in the midst of this fighting and gunfire that's going on. What a calling. Like I said, we're so comfortable. What is it going to take for us to just be radical 
in us. You know, going back to what I said about Daniel, when is it going to come to the point that I need to understand, I can't defile myself. I should not defile myself. I can't just take the things of this culture, this world, and just think that these things are going to make me happy or these things are going to make me feel good when I know that I need to stay true to the calling that God has called me to. When is it going to be the time where I, I pick the battles to fight and I stay the course of the convictions that God's put in me and say, I'm going to do this for God. I'm going to honor him. And if I have to, I'm going to seek permission. I'm going to, I'm going to work with school boards to see how I can get it in the school. I'm going to ask for permission from these people that don't love God, but I'm going to ask if there's a way, if there's a possibility I can serve to make a difference. And that's what this communion is all about. As Jesus tells us, you know, we're picking up the mantle. We're, we're taking the responsibility of being this light in this darkness that we experience, and we're called to be this light in this dark world. We're, we're saying, I'm with him. And when I take communion, it's me identifying with him and his death and saying, Lord, I understand it's all about you. It's not about me. And so as we come to the table, as we take these elements and, and Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 he talks about examining ourselves I just want to take a moment for you just to take a moment to pray is there things that you, maybe you've been allowing to defile you is there things that, that you're allowing to creep in that, that you need to say God get this out of me I don't want, to, I don't want this hanging in my life anymore and are you, are you more concerned about what offends you? And, and part of that Burma thing, he, he was like, I'm not going to let ISIS win. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go kill those people. And then God kind of got a hold of him and he said, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. And he had to repent and say, God, I'm sorry. I've seen these atrocities and, and I want to I do something about it. But I know you have a greater plan. And I know you're, it's, it's yours to deal with. We gotta pick our battles. We gotta make sure the battles we fight are what God wants, what God is wanting us to do. We gotta seek Him first, just like Daniel did. He prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. So as we take these elements, let's just bow our eyes, close our, <laughs> bow our heads, close our eyes, and just take a moment to talk to Him. pray for myself right now. Lord, help me not to allow fear or not being the best at something get in the way of what you want to do in my life. Help me not let pride or self-centeredness or Lord, I want to honor you with everything that I have. Lord, that no matter what I face in the future, I want to be found as a follower of you. And I want to make the most difference I can through your grace, through your mercy. And I want to advance your kingdom, not for my own name, 
but for your name. Because you're worthy of praise and honor and glory. And you will stand forever. Lord, help us, help me to be more like you. Forgive me where I fail you. In your wonderful name I pray, Jesus. Amen. So Jesus took the bread and he said, take, eat. This is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Jesus took the cup This cup represents his blood shed for us. We do this to remember, we do this to honor him, to realize that freedom isn't cheap. It came out of his, the price of his life that he laid down for me and you. There was a sacrifice involved. And so Jesus said, take, drink, do this in remembrance of me for the remission of sin. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this time. I thank you for your word. I thank you for how your word speaks to me in my life. I thank you for ministries that we have. I pray, Lord, that people would dive deeper into their relationship with you. I pray, Lord, that maybe people would check out the study that's available in Right Now Media called Thriving in Babylon or do the devotional. Lord, there's so many ways that we can grow in our faith. We have a lot of opportunities to listen to something about your word or hear your word or read your word. Lord, help us to take advantage of it while we have the opportunity. There's so many people out there in the world that don't have an opportunity to read your word. And here we have all this technology around us, and yet we still do not take advantage of it like we should. Help us to study and know what your word says. Speak to us, Lord. Lord, help us to be a light in this dark world. We want to shine. We want to make an impact. We thank you and praise you. In your wonderful name I pray, Jesus. Amen.